You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. This is going to be one of the podcasts you won't want to put down and you want to share with your friends. I am blessed to be joined today by Dr. Dennis Hooper. Uh, Dr. Hooper has a PhD in microbiology, is an MD, he's a pathologist. He's got more degrees than a thermometer. And uh, I first learned of you, Dr. Hooper, many years ago. I think a friend of mine in LA told me there was a doctor that uh, was a pathologist that was studying fungus. And he's somewhere in Texas. I was in California at the time. <laughs> Welcome and thank you so thank much you. for being with us today. Uh, lo and behold, a year ago or two years ago, I actually sat down, shook his hand, and it was, a, it was one of the highs in my life to see your laboratory. It's called Real Time Lab, folks, and what I want you to really do is listen carefully to what we're talking about today. We have so many rights in medicine that we aren't aware of, and Dr. Hooper is going to educate us on one of these. Uh, as a pathologist, when you get tissue in a laboratory, you look at it and make what they call a differential diagnosis, or, or let's say post-mortem. Let's say you're doing an autopsy. You're trying to find out why that patient died, and so you'll do various tests, uh, toxicologic tests and, and Correct. so forth. One of the problems I've always read with mold or fungus is it doesn't grow out real quick. The family's waiting to hear how this guy died. And uh, you've got a, a mycotoxin going through his body. First of all, laboratories don't generally test for molds or mycotoxins. But it takes a long time to grow out. Um, it, your laboratory, real-time labs, does... Uh, mycotoxin testing and fungal testing. Is that unique? How many labs do that in the U.S.? Uh, the, if you look at laboratories that look for mycotoxins, uh, very few, maybe one, real-time yeah. lab. <laughs> right, real-time lab. And the reason that we got into this is as I was studying autopsies and tissue uh, in the, when I was in the Navy, I realized that uh, these patients may be getting sick or they may be dying, and we could never tell why. Uh, we would sign them out uh, as something. We didn't, we didn't really have a, a good diagnosis, a respiratory arrest or cardiovascular arrest or whatever. So um, I started looking at these things they call mycotoxins, which are from myco is, is a... Um, word for mycology or fungus and toxins or toxins from those fungi. And when I realized that we were looking at them, looking for them in coffee and wine, peanut butter, all of our grains, uh, all of our cereals, then why aren't we looking for them in humans? If they cause problems in animals, which they're very concerned about in horses eating too much hay with aspergillus, um, then why aren't we looking for them? Why aren't we concerned about it? We know that there's a problem if you go in a silo with corn that's been sitting too long and it got wet, that you can get farmer's lung. But nobody seems to know why we weren't looking. So I started looking for them. And um, I couldn't find them in the blood. And it ends up that because they're taken up by the certain garbage collector cells called macrophages easily, and then redistributed. 
but in the urine we get rid of them, we detoxify. So I started looking in urine and then they're, they're planted, so to speak, in tissue by our own cells and stored there. So I started looking for those and I started finding them. So we developed a test, we patented the test, we got that patent uh, approved, and we put that in our clinical lab that's approved by the state and the federal government. And we've been doing that, and we look for the toxins, and we look for the, the fungi that produce those toxins. And those fungi are not easy to find either. There are laboratories that do what they call fungal assays. Folks, you can find Candida albicans, Candida tropicalis, uh, Aspergillus, and so forth. There are laboratories that do that as a sidebar. You know, they do their chem CBCs and other specialized hormone testing, et cetera. There's one laboratory that I know of uh, in the world that actually does mold or fungus testing, and you can do that. Uh, and then do mycotoxin testing. So uh, Aspergillus makes aflatoxin, the most carcinogenic substance known to man. Uh, and I'll never understand why cancer doctors don't know that. It's a fact. It is one of the most carcinogenic substances known to man. Yet when their patients die of cancer, nobody ever says, I wonder if he ate corn. I wonder if he ate a lot of peanut butter. I wonder if he drank a lot of beer, you know. Um, they just aren't looking that way, and they won't. And if and unless a laboratory came along that began looking at that. Uh, and one of the things, though, yeah. excuse me, but one of the things, though, that we don't want to, to instill in patients or a population is that every piece of corn or all these, the beers or anything, right. are just full of these toxins and we shouldn't eat anything. Normal patients, patients who eat a normal diet and who have uh, the ability to detoxify themselves are totally okay. I mean, yep. I, I eat all that and I have a beer <laughs> once or twice, uh, but um, I don't get toxins that are overwhelming to me. These toxins can cause your immune system to to go haywire and uh, so if if they do the patients just plummet down a pathway it's like dominoes effect so once the one system or pathway gets affected others get affected you bring up a really valid point it isn't the germ it's the immunity if you're having a beer a day like so many people do, a glass of wine or a corn every weekend, folks, it's not the germ that might be in that food. It's your ability to combat that. You have white blood cells, right? Uh, phagocytize out germs from our body. They gobble up like Pac-Man the germs that we get into. We get into bacteria. It's all the time we get into fungus. Uh, this stuff is all around us all day, but we don't all die of a huge lump on the side of our neck. It's when uh, we either are living in a moldy environment or we're an alcoholic or, you know, any one germ begins to set up a uh, domain in our bodies that we may end up in trouble because our immune system can't fight it that much anymore. So your white blood cell population begins to decline as the fungus takes over and starts gobbling up the tissue in our body. It, and these toxins are real. 
There are many people in universities who say, oh, toxins don't cause problems and the fungi don't cause problems. But I'll give you two examples. In the 70s, there was a, um, a toxin that was produced, and it was a trichothecene, a macrocyclic trichothecene, which is what we look for in our, in our system. And it was approved by the FDA to use against stage four liver cancers. And it caused, the, when the patients were given that trichothecene for treatment, they got the same reaction that a patient who comes in contact with stachybotrys and, and trichothecenes in a house. They got skin lesions, they got itchy, they got uh, nervous, peripheral nerve disaster problems, everything. And so the FDA recalled that one and they stopped it. The second one is something we use today, every day. It's called mycophalonic acid and when you have a transplant or you're on a transplant list and finally they find a heart or a liver or a kidney that you're going to have transplanted in your body. You immediately are brought into the hospital and you're given mycophalonic acid that's produced by a penicillium species. Penicillium species makes this and it kills your immune system immediately. I like cyclosporin. It's, uh, it's, well, yeah. cyclosporin is one, too. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because they want your immune system down so <coughs> your immune system won't reject this new heart, new lung. So what you're saying is mycotoxins are rarely used in medicine. One of them was a mycotoxin, uh, you know, IV uh, chemotherapy drug. The other one is a tissue rejection drug, but I'm looking at... Uh, the, the mold is penicillium. The mycotoxin it makes is called penicillin. Uh, the, the, which is a mycotoxin. Which is a mycotoxin. Have you ever taken penicillin, folks? And those of you, look, penicillin, antibiotics are now linked with six kinds of cancer. I've got all the data on this, all documented. Uh, it's fascinating, and I don't want to dwell on cancer here. I'd rather... Look, this is fascinating. Get you in a room alone is rare, so thank you for joining us. Your, uh, the laboratory you're medical director of has this kind of a tagline, toxins are out there, fortunately, so are we. You know, fortunately, we're here. Real-time labs, here's, here's the take-home message. Anytime you get a biopsy done, a colon biopsy, let's say you're having a colonoscopy and they want to cut out some, you know, little uh, dents that you have in there or uh, tumors, get a pathology report. That pathology report stays with you the rest of your life. You may have a pathology report from a breast uh, biopsy you got done in 1978. If you still have that laboratory report and you are wondering, gosh, was there yeast or fungus in any of these tissues? Those biopsies are kept in wax for time immemorial. You can, with that pathology report, find out where that tissue is and call your laboratory, talk to the doctor about getting that tissue over there, correct? That is correct, yeah. Wow. So the doctor writes an order just like he would in a hospital, but he does it on our requisition, and he sends that to us with the pathology report, and we can then get uh, the tissue sent to us from that hospital that has it. 
Here, here's how to do that, folks. Realtimelab.com. Realtimelab.com. Uh, you can, uh, it's just R-E-A-L-T-I-M-E-L-A-B.com. Or you can call, they have a toll-free number, 855-692-6767. Let's say you're a nurse or a physician listening to this right now. They have a line for you, 972-492-0419. To me, this is fascinating. I named my show Know the Cause because I thought an incredible, credible science had been overlooked, that of mycology. Is it... Are doctors going through medical schooling today uh, given courses in mycology? Um, they're given, in their first or second year of med school, they're given what we call microbiology, right. which involves bacteria, fungi, and, and yeast, and parasites. So understandably, they have to, the, the medical schools have to give so much time to the ones that have the most data yeah, and, uh, bacteria, and bacteria and viruses becoming more and more uh, interesting to to the the medical profession uh, the biggest problem there is there's not a lot of drugs for treatment yeah you're right but and in fungus more and more drugs are coming out more and more ways of dealing with these type of diseases or and you know the more I studied mycology the more I realized that I, did I ever tell you I met with Linus Pauling? I was working out at the medical school in California, and I had uh, sat next to him at a lunch, and I didn't really know who he was, but doctors were all coming, shaking his hand and high-fiving him. <laughs> but I began to learn that uh, vitamin C, ascorbic acid, is antifungal. It's amazing, folks, as you study zinc and magnesium, many of these things have antifungal properties, as do our medications. Few people know that statin drugs were antifungal drugs before they became statin drugs. So what makes triglycerides and cholesterol go up? We could talk about that forever. Another point I want to make before I let you go here is if I'm scheduled to have a biopsy, uh, that tissue that the surgeon takes goes to pathology. If I have that question mark after I get my report back, okay, it says this is my pathology report, can I ask the doctor if he can send some of that tissue off to you folks and let you investigate it for other things, for bugs? He can, and the patient can do that. Uh, we don't want the doctor, the family practice or internist or somebody, they don't touch those blocks. It's okay. pathology lab to pathology lab. Okay. So, uh, but the report can come to us. So the, the transmission of requests is through lab to lab. Okay, good. And so okay. that there's no there's no mix up of the blocks. There's no mix up of the tissue. And uh, does it work like this? Does someone call your toll-free number and say, uh, "Yes, I want to give you a pathology report number." I had a breast biopsy done 2 years ago. Uh, then does your laboratory handle uh, going to the other pathology uh, lab and saying, "Yes, we'd like that tissue?" Yeah, let's walk through this. Okay. Uh, I'm Mrs. Smith, who wants to have my breast biopsy looked at. Uh, so I will call our toll-free number. You'll get our nurse. She will say, send us the pathology report and your doctor's name. And so then we will call the doctor and say, Mrs. Smith wants to get this tissue done. Has she talked to you about that? 
And he'll go, yes or no. And if he has said yes, then we will fax him or send him by email one of our request forms, and he will sign it, say what he wants to do, and then he will send that back. We'll have the pathology report. We marry those together. We then send a letter to the pathology at a university or at a large laboratory or wherever, and we say, can you send a block of tissue of this specific block to us? Because we have to look. When you get a, a lung biopsy, there may be portions that are negative for a tumor or negative for something. And then there are other portions of that that have the, the lesion in it. We want that block where the lesion is, so not the normal tissue. And um, that's what they'll send us in. The, uh, but the we, have to, we have to look at the pathology report to see, because the pathologist list, block A has, has the lesion, block B doesn't have the lesion. Well, we don't want B. Right, we exactly. want A. You want to test the meat of it, if you will. Correct. Uh, then does insurance cover, I mean, you're a, a qualified and licensed medical lab. Does insurance cover the cost of, say, yeast and fungus and mycotoxin testing? Uh, we are an out-of-network laboratory, so we don't get insurance to pay us. Okay. But we will bill for the patient. So the patient pays us in cash or yep. however they want to. And then we will bill the insurance company, and the insurance will then, depending on what program they have and what plan and what their deductible is, they will then send out uh, the check to the patient. Now, Medicare covers our tests, so uh, we can only bill Medicare. And we bill Medicare directly, and Medicare pays us. So um, the, if the patients are Medicare uh, qualified, all they have to do is give us their Medicare information, and they don't pay anything else. Do you send uh, your laboratory report back to the original doctor? To the requesting physician. Right. So he'll now see, okay, there I see Candida, I see Aspergillus, I see Fusarium or whatever, you know, uh, Penicillium, et cetera. Uh, then he can call Mrs. Smith back and say, listen, new program here. I want to start you on Diflucan and maybe Nystatin, and he won't know about my diet, but at least that's a step in the right direction. Um, so this is very, very good because so many people are having uh, biopsies done today and think that that pathology report uh, is the end of the road. <coughs> Sometimes you can do further testing on that tissue, be it 40 years old, and learn. Yeah, and one, one last thing that is uh, confusing to uh, many of the patients is that they said, well, uh, my doctor did a blood test for aspergillus. Yeah. They sent it to a, a laboratory and they said, oh, I have aspergillus or I have candida or I have penicillin. Well, what those look for are antibodies to the fungus. So... Um, it means that you've been exposed to the yeast or the fungus at one time. It's just like if I wanted to know, have I got an antibody to tetanus? Mm -hmm. If I give a tetanus shot to myself, I'm going to develop an antibody to tetanus. So if I draw some blood out and look at that, I will find antibody. That doesn't mean I have tetanus. Right. It means I have an antibody that can fight off tetanus. 
Same thing with these doctors, and those tests are very good because they're saying, oh, I was exposed to aspergillus years ago or maybe last month. But uh, that's not telling you the reason you're coughing is because you have an aspergilloma. That's just telling you you might have been, look, histoplasmosis, you might have flown through Arizona during a dust storm and now you've got antibodies. How do we tell a fungus, how do we tell if there's real fungus in a tissue? Is there a way to do that? Well, the pathologists look at um, two things, culture and stain. Culture, depending on what the organism is, yeast will grow in, in two to four days usually from blood and, cult and tissue. Aspergillus will grow from tissue in maybe four weeks. Um, aspergillus in blood will never grow. And the, the pulmonologists and uh, the infectious disease people if, uh, will say, and the literature shows in Europe and in the States, that if you find an aspergillus in blood, it's a contaminant. Okay. So they will not treat. So what we are doing now is working with pulmonologists in the country, looking at bronchial alveolar lavages, BALs, where when they think you have a lung disease, they will put a scope down your throat and they'll wash it and then they'll biopsy it, but they will also suck some of that fluid out and that's called a lavage or washing. And we are starting studies now through institutional review boards that say we think the aspergillus that's present is not a contaminant and it is making toxins that are causing the patient's problem. So nobody else is looking at the BALs for mycotoxins yet, except us. That, that's huge. It's, it's exciting. You. I mean, thank you for taking on this endeavor. Did you think 30, 40 years ago that you know mycology would really be an area of fascination for you and you'd have this big lab. I didn't all of think this 15 years yeah. ago. <laughs> but it, it's exciting, isn't it? It I is. Mean, you're well, the, the, stage. the, the, the uh, most important thing to me is that I have known leukemic patients, cancer patients, uh, and AIDS patients who have literally died from a fungus and nothing could be done to help them. A third of all transplants, depending on who you read, a third of transplants in the, every year die due to fungal infections. And so if we can be a part of anything to help, we're not saying that this is going to be the end all, but if we can save even one or two patients, it's exciting and it, it means a lot to you when you're part of that that uh, discovery. It is. It's kind of for me, every day is a high. Every day I go to work and someone emails me and says, I got to come and work with you. Yeah. <laughs> for you, it's a low, right? <laughs> now, real time labs, folks, uh, I'm going to give you a phone number again. Please jot it down. It's 1 855 692 6767 or educate yourself. That's where this started for Dr. Hooper years ago, and it can start for you now. Real-time lab, singular, realtimelab.com. Thank Correct. you, sir, for coming in and educating us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. 
If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.com.